Pod peeps, welcome to Historical AF. My name is Natalie. I'm Kina. I'm Frankie. <laughs> we are a historian, a librarian, and a special guest bringing you the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. <laughs> right where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 57, no, 58. We just did 57. <laughs> you said it. You said it. Uh, now I'm confused. All right. So this is episode 58. And wow. Warriors, Warriors Part 2. Yeah, Warriors. Got some doozies for you. Uh, this is a, a hard one to be funny with. Oh, no. <laughs> so much death. I'm really glad I poured myself another drink just now. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of death, but it's really interesting. I think last episode really ended on a high empowering note. You know, female warriors. We'll, we'll see what we do. Because <laughs> this is the episode with Morbid. So it could go either way. I don't know. In fact, I have Morbid and it's actually not super morbid. Okay, good. It actually could have been under the historical thing. Okay. Cool, cool. Keenan would probably be the one that will depress you today. Probably. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back, Frankie. We're so excited. I'm so happy to be here. Amazed <laughs> with your story last week. It was so good. We had it really to was. Google her after the episode. Oh, it was so good. Well, you know, anytime you want me to come back and do some more. <laughs> Intense one week. <laughs> Intense week week. Yes. Is everybody doing good? Everybody's- yep. <laughs> sure. Uh, work is still crazy and stressful, but it's whatever. Yeah. Mm. All right. So you guys want spooky or funny? Do the one that's least depressing. Because the other one's going to be the end. <laughs> See, I was going to say you should probably do spooky and then bring us back up with funny afterwards. But- well, she's funny. talking about her funny. And so I don't know. Is this really funny now? <laughs> uh, no, they're not that bad. I actually have gotten most of my stories are very light. Mm-hmm. I think the last I week it when I hear it, <laughs> <laughs> God, I know I'm all like, I'm gonna do fun stuff, and then it ends up being really bad. But um, I know there was one where you were like, "Oh, that's bad!" Like <laughs> <laughs> that's really bad. No, okay, I'll start with spooky and then funny, but it's not that bad. Nobody really gets murdered. I mean. Hey, Only Robin, unless you're being disrespectful do you get murdered. Is my video as badly messed up as I can see in the top of this thing? Probably. Yeah, you're probably. like fuzzy, but I can hear you. So. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Remember, it's a podcast. You don't have to. Oh, right. People can't see me. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't see you. We just we just need to hear you. All right. You can sound fine. It's fine. <laughs> If I can look like a potato, you can be fuzzy. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, all right, spooky. So there's a lot of reasons to love Hawaii, but this is just one. I love that the retelling of spooky ghost stories has been a favorite form of entertainment and an important link of their entire culture since ancient times. I just love it so much. So... We're going to Hawaii, and we're going to talk about ghostly images and hauntings that have been reported throughout time. Are you excited? Very. I love hauntings. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. So, especially in Hawaii, like, ghosts and hauntings are reported in old buildings and valleys, sacred burial sites, ancient temples called the Heau. I looked it up. Heau. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Forested areas, beaches, and even the lava fields. And with the rich history of mythology and folklore and numerous sacred sites, Hawaii's link to the past is so present. I just love it so much. <laughs> so, here we go. A good majority of Hawaii... 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 <laughs> I'm not drunk. A good majority no, no. of Hawaii residents, according to Hawaii.com, have either had a spooky encounter... During their lives, or they know somebody who has had one, which I think is just fucking cool. So no matter, <laughs> there's like a one degree separation between a haunting 
and Hawaiian, and I'm here for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and a disclaimer. So a lot of the history is passed down orally through families. So a lot of the details and accounts of what I'm about to talk about differs from each family. So I've tried to put together as many sources as I can to have a general idea of what I'm talking about. Be kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get spooky. Woo! One of the most popular subjects of ghost stories in the islands of Hawaii are the night marchers or the Hakapo. Oh, ha- Hakapo. I think that, yeah. I even listened to it and I wrote it phonetically and it still doesn't <laughs> sound right coming out of me. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys heard of it? Mm-mm. Not at all. Do you have oh. the name again? The night? Night marchers. Ooh, I kind of like, I like the name. It's cool. Too. <laughs> in, in most stories, they're ghostly warriors who stride through the jungles and towns adorned in brilliant costumes of ages past. I really like that sentence, so I kept it I in. Tell. <laughs> <laughs> in their former lives, they protected high-ranking chiefs who were so sacred that no mortal man or woman was allowed to look at them. I want to be that important that you're like, you can't even look at me, plebe. <laughs> Just no. This is lonely. Yeah, probably. But you're also like, you have like your own army. So you have people. <laughs> Quote, that particular leader in life was someone who was so sacred that according to their status, no one could look at them and no one could be clothed in their presence. Remember that. That comes importantly. <laughs> Wait, so who's who's naked? And strip. (laughs) Yeah, so if you're part of their like entourage, you can wear clothes. But if you're not part of the worthy entourage, you have to be naked. Hmm. I want to be naked. That just sounds (laughs) rude. I don't want to be naked. And it just makes me think of um, is it Mystery Men, where the guy that's invisible, but you don't look at him? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> it was a, it was, was Keenan, right? From Keenan and Cal. Oh, it wasn't Keenan. It's it's Kel. Was it Kel? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Kel. You're right. Who mm-hmm. loves orange soda? I love that movie. I know that one. <laughs> Who loves orange soda? <laughs> I saw that all that had a reunion, and I fucking loved all that as a kid. That was one of my. It's like. The, one of the only sketch comedy shows ever yeah. made for kids. Can you imagine Keenan has been in sketch comedy since he was like a child? Yeah, he's and still he, on Studio yeah, 60. He's the or, longest uh, running SNL uh, character yeah, person S- ever. And he was doing that <laughs> for all that. Mm-hmm. Props to that. Who's that Amanda Bynes show? That's another kid sketch show. That's me. She was on all that too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so innocent bystanders <laughs> who stumbled upon the procession and didn't know the rules were under the threat of death. So don't look at them. That's the moral of this entire story. <laughs> in life, Kindly Chief supposedly took to traveling at night to, in order to avoid being spotted. You know, to keep you from dying. And... <laughs> That tradition, according to legend, is carried on into the afterlife as night marchers continue their eternal protective escort. The marchers still beat their drums out of an extreme sense of duty. So imagine worrying, like working for the state your entire life and then you die and they're like, get back to work. You're still doing the same shit you did your whole life. That's basically what's going on now. I would hate that. I used to have nightmares about working at Layman and then that'd be like, you know, like Dante, seventh layer of hell or whatever. I was like, that would be lame and me doing the same shit my entire journey. So. Sisyphus. Yeah. That's how I felt. I you liked my job. Come back down. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's some other theories as to why the night marchers are marching on. Some say that they're armed spirit warriors en route to or from battle, toting archaic weaponry and clothes and decorated helmets and cloaks ready to fuck some shit up. Other accounts say that they're there to welcome new warriors to join the battle. Some say they're there to reclaim rightful territory, replay a battle gone awire, avenge their own deaths, or some say that they're searching methodically for an entrance into the next world. 
So no matter what they're doing, it just sounds really cool, and I'm here for it. Night marches are said to roam through very specific locations and are often recognized by their raised torches and repeated chants. And although the night marchers allegedly float a few inches above the ground, locals' accounts say that they see mysterious footprints in their path after they've passed. So they're floating and simultaneously leaving footprints. <laughs> I don't like that. Footprints. It is against everything. I don't understand. I just think it's air. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there was a Reddit post, which I thought was really cool. It was somebody from Hawaii, and she was talking about how in her family, they talk about how they have three processions. And she says each procession is preceded and followed by a torch in a kahili feather standard barrier. And the three types, the first, the warriors are spirits of ancient warriors. Second, the procession of royalty. So that would be the chief and monarch. And then the third and final procession is that of the gods and goddesses themselves. So not only are you seeing ghost warriors, you're seeing ghost gods. That seems very dangerous. And then there are a few scattered reports of daytime marches, but they mostly happen at night and they happen on certain nights designated by the moon. They tend to appear mostly during the last four Hawaiian moon phases as the moon wanes to blackness and they seem to prefer sacred sites and notable cultural spots. So, me too, dudes. <laughs> I mean, I like the cloak of darkness and really old historic sites, so count me in until I get to this next part. And, <laughs> so like yeah. and they also say natural phenomenon tends to accompany the night marchers. So, heavy winds, thunder, lightning, heavy rain, high surf and fog. You know, a side of fog and thunder with your creepy ass ghost warriors. Naturally, be able to picture any other way. That's like the norm. It seems like a Stephen King novel. Really (laughs) scary. It really is. Areas like the Nuanu and the Kaawa Valley and Kalihi Valley (laughs) and the Oahu, and they seem to be the most popular. I looked it up phonetically how to say things. (laughs) I'm trying to stop laughing at me. <laughs> it's just, and I know I'm not any better, most likely worse, 100% worse, but it's the the haltingness of it. I've stopped trying. trying to correct anything. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. My self esteem. Uh, yeah, well, too I'm bad. Doing my best. No. <laughs> That's why I'm a disclaimer. I tried. I mean, I mean so well, but the hillbilly comes out, guys. It just does. All right. Um, No, I don't want to say the rest of this because it's even harder. No, please. You got it. It makes the episode. Makes it. The Kanahameha school campus. It's over 100 years old and is said to have been visited by the night marchers on many occasions. And then there's some coastal areas where they've been spotted around a house that remains hundreds of Hawaiian chiefs that are said to be responsible for many of the nighttime car accidents. So apparently you could just be driving by and they pop up and boom, you're dead. I don't like that. <laughs> you not like this Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, natural, <laughs> natural area preserves in South Maui have wrestled, uh, but are said to where the night marchers are said to roam along hundreds of acres of lava landscapes in search of mischief. So there's a lot of like rumors that all the major big beaches and dangerous to seek out the marchers, which I found very interesting because normally with ghosts, we're all like, let's go see a ghost. And we go on like ghost tours and we do all kinds of stuff. But in Hawaii, they're like, do not go look for them. Don't do it. You are going to die. Not worth it. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, if you piss off ghostly warriors, chances are yeah. you're not going to make it away from that. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not great what happens. Families who claim ancestral ties to these particular processions take this very seriously. Others know well enough to at least respect it is a quote from 
Kappa Nui, who is a priest. And I watched a YouTube video, so I know I said that right. Anyway, he says, whatever you do, don't whistle in the dark. Some say you might inadvertently summon the night marchers. <laughs> what if you were those, like, nervous whistlers? You know, you just whistle. You're not even thinking about it. You're like, oh, people fuck. People sometimes whistle to be cheerful, like, to... Yeah, to stay away from the spookiness. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Do is taught us. <laughs> You're gonna die. Don't do that. Stop whistling. It leads to death. <laughs> and he says, and if they arrive, no walls can stop them. So it doesn't matter what you do. You could even run home or run to a business or run whatever. Nope, they're gonna still kill you. Yeah, that's how ghosts Ooh. work. <laughs> The only thing that has been said to cause them to veer from a path is the presence of a tea plant is a colorful evergreen plant with widespread cultural significance in Hawaii. So plant that shit around your home is the moral of that story. In some instances, you might not even notice the marchers approaching. Perhaps a gale force wind drowns out the drums or you're simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. No matter the scenario, you must hope that the ghost warriors take mercy on you, which they probably won't. If not, you'll hear a shriek of why, which means let him be pierced. And then that's the end of you. You dead. No, I don't want to hear that shit. Let them be pierced. Nope, 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 nope. No, thank you. But the night marchers respect bloodlines. If you're extremely fortunate, one of the long dead men will be your distant ancestor, and they'll protect you. And they'll say, Nau, which means mine, indicating that one of the warriors has recognized you as a descendant, and they will not cause you any harm. So, I'm fucked. I will die. I recognize you. <laughs> well, I guess since they're like spooky, ghosty, know everything. Okay. So, they're like, you're related to me. I just instinctively know that, so you're not going to die. If you don't share blood with any of the warriors, you'll be left with only a few recourses. As the legend goes, you must strip off all your clothes, lay face down on the ground, close your eyes, and play dead. <laughs> like a possum. Just play possum. Like a naked possum. Are Do that. You you'll be fine. bringing up all of the stripper stories? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, be- this is the best part. There's also people that say that you should... For good measure, urinate uncontrollably. (laughs) The idea is to convince the night marchers that you have nothing but fearful respect for their presence. Which I would argue, if I see a ghost warrior coming at me about to pierce me, I don't think I'm going to have a problem pissing myself. Honestly, (laughs) that just seems like a given. (laughs) I I mean, if there's any... Anytime when you need to piss yourself, it's going to be that point. Yes, right? When the spiritual Ugh. ghostly warriors are mm-hmm. coming for you yeah. to pierce you. I have no chance of surviving that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, moral of the story is that the procession must never be interrupted. These night marchers are set diligently upon their destination and are not considered spirits that will ever deviate from the path to haunt humans nearby. <laughs> so, do not, I repeat, do not mess this up and i'm looking at you zach taunt all the fucking demons bag and <laughs> don't do it god that guy is like no so la uh oh la lapaka kapanui who is a hawaiian priest that i talked about earlier he's also a cultural practitioner who is well acquainted with the island's spooky folklore says that he wants personally encountered the night marchers and then these are all quotes I was in a Chinese cemetery one evening leading a ghost story. Ghost story. Ghost tour. That's not the same thing. (laughs) The entire cemetery is built over a night marcher's trail. Unbeknownst to him, he just happened to be standing in the middle of their path. Their effect on him was immediate and overwhelming. Quote, was like being encapsulated. The sound was gone. I could see the wind moving through the trees and the tall grass around me, but I couldn't hear it or feel it. It came unbearably hot later he would learn from a cousin that ancestors in the otherworldly procession must have recognized him and surrounded him to provide some protection what 
His professional <laughs> advice, if you happen to encounter the spirits, is the best thing anyone can do if they hear the night marcher's procession approaching is run. Get out of there. <laughs> Make yourself very scarce. Don't stop and try to take selfies like some foolish people have done in the past. Run. Don't do be that person. <laughs> Don't be an American. Get away. I love that he's like, don't be that person. Don't do that. No. Is it just Americans that do that? Probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. From that's what I hear from stories. We're I'm not all... surprised if that's a thing. I'm curious, too. <laughs> if you ever read stories from other countries, they're just like, Americans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God damn it. Everybody else is like, oh, ghosts? Oh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because they're also all the other countries are so old, they're just used to them. They're like, yeah, pushing. Yeah, it's true. They don't look what the ghost is, just get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surely, not just America. Yeah. So in downtown Honolulu, there's reportedly a night marcher trail that runs through the footprint of the Davies Pacific. And now I'm trying to do the Scottish accent too. Pacific Center. <laughs> In 2012, Kapanui met with attorneys on the 23rd floor who claimed that the building security cameras captured the night marchers on video. A native Hawaiian cleaning lady was reportedly doing her job at night when a column of mist appeared. The woman died the next day. The following month, someone claimed to have seen her marching along the night marchers right before she disappeared into a wall. So <laughs> I'm going to pass on that too. Our best. Yeah, she actually died. All these other stories are like, I ran away. She's like, nope, I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) And it's on video. Yay for me. (laughs) That'd be my luck if I get killed. It's on some security camera by a ghost. (sighs) (laughs) Ricky, a security guard at the Cade Shoots building, claims that he wants caught a glimpse of the night marchers during a brief trip to, uh, I'm not even going to try that, Wailua? Is it, uh, some 19 years ago, Ricky and his then girlfriend Jennifer visited their friend Richard and his son <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> he was so not natural anymore right now. <laughs> uh, he remembers the exact date, July 5th, 1995. They arrived on the beach between 10 and 11 p.m. A distant flash of light caught their attention in the dark. It looked like a line of fire ants marching down the mountain. I thought people were hunting, but there was a long line of torches, he said. It was a strange sight at first because it looked like an endless line of torches disappearing off the mountain ridge. But then he later realized that those weren't hunters. They were night marchers. He recalled hearing the legend of the night marchers as a kid at the YMCA. And one (laughs) staffer always used to warn young campers about the night marchers path and told him to run. So he ran. So YMCA coming in clutch there saved his life. All these kid murder stories. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the websites I look at said that the Hawaiians have a lot of really cool spooky and ghost tours. And they will take you on some, which I think is counterproductive since they said don't seek it out. But, you know, here we are. And <laughs> the tale like of the night. Yeah, like you do. The night marchers have inspired a 2001 film tile entitled The Night Marchers. And they have a lot of books on them. So a lot of the websites are like, check out our peoples. Come look at them. So now I need to find that film. I know. 2001. That should be a gym. <laughs> yeah. With Good the time. best special effects yeah. ever. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. There's the Night Marchers. And they seem... There's a lot of stories on them. You can just look for days. There's a lot of Reddit threads. And a lot of <laughs> it's so actually it, on YouTube in its entirety. Is it really? Yeah, it is. It's the first <laughs> thing that popped up when I hit Google. The uh Kappa Nui guy, he has a YouTube video and he's talking about the story. It's really cool. So yeah, highly recommend. But yeah, this seemed really cool. I just I've never heard a ghost story. I mean, I mean like demon shit. Like, don't go you know, chasing that stuff, but I've never heard a ghost story where they're like, don't look for it, don't look at them, you're going to die. Strip naked, Mm. be yourself, you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Or try to be related to them. 
<laughs> uh, and I'm like not laughing at their tradition. I'm just laughing at the thought of me doing that. That's why I'm laughing. I don't know. So that's, yeah. that's exactly what I'm picturing. I'm picturing yeah. like an old 80s horror flick like Jason or something. Yeah. Trying yeah. to do a movie. And just people randomly trying to get naked to protect themselves. Well, it's kind of like this movie is a uh, recovered, captured, like a shaky camera kind of movie. Ooh. Like the, the, the synopsis says a real documentary crew who has strangely disappeared following a journey to a chilling Hawaiian site. Ooh. On a mission to a search for a new site where the ancient Hawaiian spirits are rumored to appear at night, a five-person documentary crew vanishes, leaving only their footage. <laughs> oh, man. We need to have, like, a watch party. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I need... Oh, yeah, we definitely need to watch Oof. that. Hey, you know what? The next Drunk Dive. Yes! Oh, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, morbid! Morbid. Morbid, which is actually not super morbid. It's a list, of course, of some of the most fearsome warriors in history. Ooh. So this could be actually in the historical segment, but either way, I don't know. I just didn't feel like going super depressive this time. When I found out about these people, I'm like, I actually really like this. So I just stuck with it. Uh, first up, it. Yay. First up is Shivaji Maharaja. I can't say it. I, you know, I said it perfectly <laughs> earlier. Oh, Maharaj- that's what happens. It's like we Maharaj. say it perfect. It starts at the day. Stops at the day. The fact that no Indian person can mention his name without the Maharaj must tell you something about his greatness. So it's like a, he's a king who fought for the freedom of his people and not just his kingdom, but was physically, he was like a super badass warrior, basically. And what I liked about him is that he actually was pro-women, too. Not exactly as fighters, but in the fact that if any of his men harmed a woman, they would be severely punished. Ooh, yes. He's also called the father of Indian Navy. And one of the other names he's known for is the Mountain Rat. What? Because <laughs> he fought with uh, guerrilla warfare tactics. What a name. You think he liked it? Or is he like, God damn it? <laughs> I don't want to be a rat. I don't want to be a rat. was like, this is really have to stick, but it did. I mean, we're rats in Chinese Zodiac. So, I mean, maybe it's like a... I mean, it's cool there. So maybe it's cool there. Hmm? It could be worse things. Yeah. You're a rat, too? Yes. Oh yeah, here yeah, we're a rat. No, wait, it's by year, so I don't know if you are not. I'm a rat. I'm I'm a ram. Oh, you're a ram. It's not by month, it's by year. Eighty-four. Yeah, yeah, eighty-four. Oh, yeah. Air five. <laughs> COVID five. I like COVID it. five. <laughs> um his awareness of geography of the land and with the gorilla tactics like raiding and ambushing and his all his uh, surprise attacks on his enemies got him the name and he used the wit to like save people and he just was like a super awesome badass guy but I really like the woman part the fact that he didn't let his men just pillage like crazy like no they they had a focus they had a purpose and they just got shit done Sorry, bless you (laughs) playing with the dice (laughs) it's okay I've been playing with my headphones this whole time, you After just see a little quiet fidget thing. The microphone like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is uh, another fun name. It's Kutulun. Kutulun. This is a female. Ooh. Daughter of Mongolian leader Kaidu and the niece of Kublai Khan. She was described by not only being like, she was just an amazing warrior. She fought along with her father, but also Marco Polo and some other great warriors recognized her. And actually there are written statements of her skills by these other people, these other men. And to like, not that, you know, a man has to justify you or whatever, but at that time, 
you kind of did like yeah. <laughs> your entire um, existence and the future depended on it well and yeah, not just that i mean it's also when the society thing. tries to say that men are the uh, the strong ones and they recognize a woman as being as powerful as them that's There's something, something that. mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. even now like if you see someone as your equal, like there's just something in that. Yeah. So ultimate badass and raised an army of horses <laughs> and was set out to conquer the world. She declared that she would marry the man who could defeat her wrestling. Whoever lost had to surrender a couple of horses. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> would you like to take a guess of how many horses she had? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, 2,000. Okay. Frankie, do you have a guess? Ooh. I think I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go with 2,500. Uh, let's try 10,000. <laughs> That's still really impressive. <laughs> wait, wait. You said a couple of horses, right? Like two? Like, again, like let's say two per person, two or three. Wow. Per oh. She kicked a lot of ass. Oh, my. So, yeah, she collected 10,000 horses for her little army, and she actually did get married eventually by Rashid Aldin, and once wrote about her love story and how it was to live with a Mongol ruler in Persia. Did he beat her, or did she just like him? Did it say? <laughs> I think he actually beat her. Like, that's when oh, we got okay. married. But not, like, beat her, but, like, just beat her in the wrestling match. <laughs> just <laughs> So now I'm curious. I would like to know more about this woman. Yeah. Just a what a badass. Um, that is very cool. So next up is the Melancomas of Araya, Korea. And this was a ancient boxer famous for never being touched. Which is crazy to think about. The legend has it that he could stand still with his guard up for two days continuously the man fought on the field like he was playing a game, a rigged game, which he would always win. <laughs> and it is said that during his entire career as an Olympic boxer, he could never punch a guy, never punched a guy. He would rather, he's like, why would you fight if you could make the other person look like a five-year-old throwing hands on you like a child? <laughs> basically just stare death in the face and went, fuck you. <laughs> Wow. Um, over and over again. Uh, next is The Flame. This is a word whose name justifies his reputation. His name was Lama or The Flame in ancient Rome. He was a gladiator. And while other gladiators were busy trying to fight for their freedom, he actually refuses freedom four times. Wow. I'm like, you just really like to kill, don't you? <laughs> you don't hear that often. Wow. Freedom is overrated based upon the ability to kill people. Right here. You're like, oh, I'm good. Kill some more motherfuckers and some lions yeah. and shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Next up is Zhao Dun. And they say that craziness makes you excel at everything. Most definitely true for this warrior. He offered his services to Cao Cao and quickly became the military general. During one of the battles, an enemy arrow hit his eye. And this is what he did. He pulled out the arrow with his own hand and swallowed the eye. What? It went pop and go. No, 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 pop and no, no. Uh, he did that to terrorize his enemies and then he just kept fighting. It worked! No! His nickname after this was Blind Jau or the One Eyed Warrior. And all because he went. <laughs> no, no, the sound effects is too much. <laughs> Sorry. I can't help but do that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Don't like that. 
I don't know, maybe just needed some protein. They didn't have protein bars back then. God, how gummy and gooey and eyeball. I don't eat meat. I don't know these things. <laughs> and Ooh, imagine inspiration for gushers. <laughs> oh my God. No. You're welcome. Oh. All right, let's move on. Please, please. This, let's see. Is it Pyrus of Epirus? Sure. It's funny. I know, I know if I probably heard this recording or heard this sound, I would probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But seeing it on paper just doesn't comprehend with my brain. <laughs> Anyways, the Greek general and statesman, he was considered a good king, but definitely not one of the greatest military commanders of his era. But no tragedy managed to slow him down. Tragedy does not stop him. He lost his firstborn son while fighting and immediately involved himself in a civil dispute in Argos. He was the greatest threat to Romans, and it is believed that his history, the history would have been different if he actually wasn't killed. Um, even though he won most battles, the blood he left behind was so horrifying that it gave birth to the Pyrrhic victory which is the question we still use. And I'm like, that's scary. Like, you weren't super amazing, but you did a good enough job to... <laughs> Can you imagine that's your claim to fame in history? You weren't the greatest, but I mean, you like, did a thing. You killed a lot of... But you had <laughs> results. Should have ate an eyeball, bud. <laughs> I popped one in. <laughs> <laughs> Do not, like that. Do not like that sound. Which one? Frankie's pop or my click? Both. Together? No. <laughs> Sorry for that. I have one more. Okay. And this is uh, Musashi Miyamoto. Ooh. Japanese ones actually aren't as bad for me. It's that everything, every other genre every other background that fucks it up <laughs> anyways musashi was a known painter funny enough and a skillful japanese swordsman and an invincible ronin which is basically a samurai without a lord or master oh and unlike other warriors his strategy was to actually dress as rags so imagine a man that looks really homeless looking Oh. And the most famous duel Miyamoto won was against Sasaki Kojiro in 1612. And he guessed the strategies of Kojiro even before the battle started and planned his tactics accordingly. He was the founder of the Hayoho Nitin Ichiri Ryu, and which is a style of swordsmanship. And he even perfected his two sword fighting skill and wrote a guide titled A Book of Five Rings. What? You mm-hmm. literally wrote the book on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How freaking cool is that? The museum here has a samurai like exhibit with all their uniforms. So I was like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I've ever seen one in person. So that's really impressive. Just for funsies on this article. There are a few other people listed, but they're all the most super famous, like Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, and Vlad the Impaler. I'm not going to talk about them because we've never talked about them before. Yes. Um, Good times. times. Impaling people on stick. Good times. But yeah, some very super badass people that literally either wrote the book on it or ate an eyeball or... (laughs) Um, or had 10,000 horses. <laughs> I do like that story. That's just badass. It's not my favorite one. It's like fight. It's not even the fact that she's a woman. It's more just the fact that, like, all right, I'm not marrying anyone unless you beat me. And then if you lose, fuck her, I'm taking your horse. <laughs> badass, right? So many people fought and won. That's just the thing. I'm like, that is a lot of horses. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, I know where she put them. Like, how much land? Your own freaking stampede. That's amazing. That was really good. I really liked it. All right. I don't know if I can do 
I can't. How can I follow that? But I will try. Mm. I have funny, <laughs> which is really hard to do when the whole t- subject is warriors that murder the shit out of people. But I did what I can, and I decided to do some warriors doing funny shit and some weird ass battles. All right, so I did at the list. I went Natalie's book here, so I got a couple. And I love a good list. First one <laughs> is Alexander the Great and some drunks and. can relate can relate (laughs) currently can relate so you know he was the king of macedonia and he conquered an empire that stretched from the balkans to modern day pakistan big fucking deal you know and his lasting legacy is basically that because the range and extent that he spread greek culture so basically every town ever named alexandria so, big fucking deal, but we'll cover him on a different episode, because that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about the weird shit. So. <laughs> here we go. Picture it. 334 BCE. Alexander the Great crossed the Hellespont into Antolia and began his conquest of the Persian Empire. He had just won his first significant battle against the Persians at the Granic... Granicus River and then marched southward along the coast bringing Greek populated settlements all over the side and you know diplomacy blah 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 so (laughs) the good part (laughs) 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 so they moved on up to Helicarnassus and Alexander settled his men for a siege it turned out to be a really long siege and the defenders were really stubborn, i.e. bored at Helicarnassus. So Alexander's like, hey, let's occupy your time by, you know, invading this nearby settlement called Minidus. Minidus? It's fine. Imagine Perfect. being so annoyed that your dude has to start up a battle just to shut you up. We're setting the scene. All the people he's with are just a bunch of bitches. So he expected this little thing to be easy and everybody would surrender and the traders would open the gates, but this didn't happen. So this little siege ended up being not worth the effort, especially after an attempt to breach its walls was unsuccessful. So with this distraction over, Alexander set his focus back on Helicarnassus. Hel- oh my God. Helicarnassus. I've said this like a thousand times before. I don't know why I can't say it now. It's probably because <laughs> you've been drinking. It is. Yeah. Whole flask of rum. Yay. <laughs> Where <laughs> so he's <laughs> all the grog is gone. <laughs> so he redoubled his efforts to build the battering rams, towers, and artillery, and he was ready to topple his opposing walls. So Alexander and Memnon, who was the head honcho over at Helicarnassus, continued their stalemate as the summer transitioned into fall and both sides were launching skirmishes against each other every once in a while. Just be like, hey, I'm here, let's fight, but nothing too big. So one of the more peculiar of these heated skirmishes near the gates of Helicarnassus became... Uh, this makes me laugh so hard. Reportedly occurred because two trunk dudes decided to be a great idea. Just two dudes. <laughs> like an entire Alexander the Great, his massive army. Just two guys were like, "Hey, let's go do this thing." So, as the story goes, two dudes in Alexander's army were having a conversation in their tent. They were bunkmates, and then they just started getting drunk because there was nothing else to do. So. Kind of like quarantine, but hopefully none of us do what they can do, decide to do. They just start drinking more and more and more. And then they start having this conversation where they're doing what annoying drunk people do. And start bragging about how cool they are and all the stuff they could do. <laughs> so they start listing out all their accomplishments. And then that turns into like all the feats they could do. And as the drinks start coming, the claims grew wilder and more outrageous. And once they were completely sloshed and their egos were bursting with intoxicated ambition, the two men strapped on their armor, grabbed their weapons, and decided that they were capable of capturing the entire city of Helicarnassus alone. I'm just imagining it. Like, you know, when you get drunk, you're like, this is a great idea. But like, you know, for us, a great idea is like, texting your ex or doing some other dumb shit it's not taking over an entire <laughs> fucking city by yourself yeah. so i guess you can probably guess how this went not okay, great I can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And although the drink was undoubtedly affecting their judgment, the alcohol apparently did not impair their mobility or fighting ability because they were just ready to go. Eager to prove their claims, the inebriated pair charged towards Alcarnassus. Funny. In the city, a small group of defenders watched with amusement as these two drunk dudes scrambled for the walls. <laughs> Dion said, hold my beer. Hold my beer. And some of the <laughs> and some of the observing defenders decided to go outside the walls and kind of intercept them, planning to either capture or kill them. The defenders probably thought that they could make short work of the drunk dudes because they were just drunk dudes. But when the two sides met, it turned into this really aggressive fight instead. And they were so loud that both sides heard it. So people from both sides started running towards the fight being like, what's going on? And they started joining the fight and it turned into an actual skirt. This is so stupid. (laughs) So... Soldiers from the same battalion as the drunk dudes came rushing to the rescue, and then people at the wall started rushing to their rescue, and it turned into a full-fledged fight. But Alexander and the other guy, Memnon, were like, what the fuck is actually happening? And neither of them could get to it in time to actually claim any of the benefits of this, like, brawl. So it ended up being, like, a stalemate, and nothing actually happened. But they came so close to drunk dudes. So don't ever... Let anybody tell you that drunk you doesn't have great ideas. <laughs> Don't ever I'm a drunk. <laughs> so the two inebriated infantrymen did not bring about the fall of Helicarnassus. I know you're shocked. But in the end, the winds are approaching. Memnon decided to pack up his troops onto ships in the Persian Navy and withdrew from the island, which gave it to Alexander anyway. So in the end. They just gave up the place and the whole thing was not even needed. But it makes me laugh. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love drunk people. Ah, the next one. Unfortunate space interference. <laughs> <laughs> the third Mithridatic or Mithridatic? I've never heard of this before. So here we go. So <laughs> when the Mithridates became king of Pontus. He took his country from being a minor state to challenging Roman power in Antolia. But then came the defeat in the war. Pontus barely survived, but only because the Roman armies were needed somewhere else. So he would rise to the challenge, but that's not the important part. So we're going to go to the third war. You don't need to know anything. If we cover it some other time, there we go. But the third <laughs> Mithridatic war was fought between the Roman Republic and the Pontic Kingdom from 73 to 63 BCE and led to the Roman control over Antolia. During one of the earliest battles, as forces were on the verge of combat, a large meteor blazed through the sky and bombed the battleground. <laughs> and it caused both sides to withdraw from battle. <laughs> like, Fuck this shit. I'm not doing this today. So the meteor strike spooked both generals who viewed it as an omen from God that they should not fight that day. So it ended. But the best part <laughs> is that there's websites and one was called Esoterics. If monsters don't exist, why are they out to get me? That's the name of the <laughs> website. And it's an entire website about how aliens are interfering <laughs> with human affairs. You know what? That's all aliens do is interfere. <laughs> It just sounds like an HR person. It does. <laughs> but the thing that got me is he like cited his shit, like legit sources. And so he asks, why would an advanced species of alien visitors take on interest in a minor skirmish? And then he speculates on what course of events could have been changed by interfering in these Roman annexations of Pontus in 74 BCE. It's so- because he <laughs> goddamn can. <laughs> Uh, but I just loved it because he cited like Plutarch, like the Plutarch. So I was like, man, he knows a shit. But there was also a classical journal being like aliens interfering in classical antiquity. It's like, you lost me, dude. But it's really interesting. <laughs> I won't go into it. But if you want to, I will put it on our uh, website. The next one, weather interference. So Rome is a tricky bitch. And it's really hard for me to understand. So I'm going to try to give a little background here. So you have Eastern and Western Roman empires. 
early on. So the Eastern Empire was vastly different from the West. The East contained the largest population centers in the wealthiest cities. The moving of the capital from Constantinople by Constantine added the element of prestige and signified the importance of the East. And it was dominated by ancient civilizations that predated Rome. The East was far more eclectic and open to competing philosophies and religious ideals. So the Christian population in the East, for example, was substantially higher than the West. And then, yeah, the West, that was more prone to barbarian incursions. You got Germanic tribes invading Gaul, a.k.a. France, and eventually Italy during the 5th century. So Western legions were often composed of barbarian recruits, men that had no loyalty to Rome, and they didn't share any interests or imperial goals. So if that makes any sense. When I hear West or Eastern Rome, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I'm about to talk West and Eastern Rome. So I was hoping I could. One's barbarian and one's Christian. That's all you need to know. So in May of 392, the Western Emperor Valentinian II was found death at his residence in Gaul, a.k.a. France. Arbogast, who was the Magister Militum, and the de facto ruler of the Western Empire informed the Eastern Emperor Theodosius that the young emperor had committed suicide or completed suicide. That's what they say now. Theodosius apparently did not believe him. Arbogast, being a barbarian, did not dare to make himself emperor. Instead, he elevated Flavius Eugenius. What a name. Chief Secretary of the Western Court to the throne. Eugenius was a well-respected scholar of Frederick and he was supported by the majority of the pagan members of the Roman Senate. The new emperor promoted the return of the Roman pagan religion, restoring pagan ceremonies and privileges, and they just had no time for this Christian bullshit. Their words, not mine. Theodosius was upset by the pagan revival in the West. Moreover, wait, is that your hand? Yes, it is. It was a random thought and really, really bad and not a part of what you're saying. And it's mostly because during this bullshit, I started rewatching the Star Trek series. <laughs> <laughs> but how much better would this world be if the Christians specifically would have taken that, that, uh, what is the prime directive of not fucking with other cultures <laughs> seriously? <laughs> It's true. This is a prime example of pagans versus Christians. And then you also said eugenius, which made me think of eugenics. And eugenics. That's, just- yeah, that's probably where it came from. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Completely yeah. all train of thought that I had. <laughs> okay. Well, also, like, Frankie, it's like having two conversations with you. Like, you're verbal and you also commenting. <laughs> You know, it's weird that I'm able to concentrate on two things at once like that, but it's it's totally doable for Uh, me, apparently. That's funny. It's fun. Oh, man, that's funny. All right, where was that? Anyway, sorry. Uh, He refused to recognize Eugenius as the Western Emperor and declared his own son, Honorus, as Augustus of the West in January of 393 and then decided to invade the West. So the Battle of the Frigidus River is a battle in the Eastern Alps between the army of the Eastern Roman Empire under the command of Theodosius the Great and then the army of the Western Roman Empire under the Emperor Eugenius on September 6, 394. So the Battle of Frigidus between the Western and Eastern Roman armies is seen as the last attempt to contest the Christianization of Europe. And the way it was won doesn't really hurt the Christian boast of God. The Frigidus River is in modern Slovenia on the border of Italy and a general battle took place in some publications. There's an assertion that the battle lasted two days and other sources it's one day, but that's not the point. The first day of the battle, the Western forces seemed to win, but the next day a fierce storm blew along the valley. The high winds blew clouds of dust towards the Western troops. Legend says that the strong winds blew the Western troops' own arrows back at them. Why? They got stabbed by their own shit. <laughs> like they got that. battered by their own winds. Arbogast's lines broke and Theodosius won the decisive victory. Eugenius was captured and beheaded, you know, like you do. And Arbogast escaped and fled into the mountains. But after a few days, he completed suicide. So that's not very fun. 
But I just like the thought of like you're shooting your pew pew pew, and the wind's like fuck you, bitch. And <laughs> oh, good times, good times. And then finally, Mother it, Nature goes fuck you. Yeah, I mean it's not good for your point. Like God's on my side, and then the wind kills your opponents. We're <laughs> like, yes, I was right. God is on my side. It's just wind. It's nature. But you know. And then in on a quickie but a goodie, unless your name is John, then it's not good for you. Over the last decade of his rule, John of Bohemia was blind, but this didn't stop him from participating in battles. During the Battle of Crecy in 1346, John, blind and boisterous, tied himself to his horse and squad of his knights before riding into battle. His body was later found amongst the dead. <laughs> It's so bad. I don't know what he's like. He's like, I'm blind. I can't see shit. Just tie me to this horse. I'm going to be fine. And then shockingly, (laughs) I was killed. He was not fine. (laughs) (laughs) How do you even go into a battle? I mean, unless your hearing wasn't great. I mean, but still. Unless you're Daredevil, don't do it. Yeah, unless unless you're Daredevil, it does not work. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I wonder if they found him still tied to the horse. Why am I laughing? Oh, my God. Not great, Kina. Stop it. That's because of the alcohol. <laughs> Drinking it from everything's funny. <laughs> <laughs> or in my case, whiskey. <laughs> All right, shot. Everyone take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I was trying to put the funniest things I could. And uh, I mean, people still died, but I mean, in funny ways, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you just got to take what you can get. This was a hard one to be funny. Yet. Very true. Yeah. I mean, there's some, good job. sometimes I like the arrow one. That was pretty funny. That was good. That was very funny. Nice. a meme where someone is like eating sunflower seeds in the front seat and they're spinning in yeah, the back window. Yes, it goes in the back window on the little on the daughter or little sister that's asleep in the car. <laughs> she's she's asleep and she's just covered in seeds. So that's what the arrows are making me think of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. This <laughs> has been a real fun night. Frankie, I'm so glad that you were here with us. And I'm glad you're not passed out drunk, even though I don't know if you paced yourself properly during nope, these. Not at all. How much of this bottle have you drank? We saw it at the beginning. Oh, okay, so you remember what it was like? We got a measure. Yeah, it was like halfway, right? Whoa! Oh, wait, wait, there we go. oh I so. drank about over half of what was there. Yeah. Now it is at a quarter. I have drank half of this half gallon. <laughs> Way to go, Frankie. <laughs> On a Tuesday, as a slow On a Tuesday night. <laughs> Time <laughs> has no meaning anymore. Awesome and do what is not my job, but it's all good. It's all good. Uh, well, hopefully, you'll be a funny drunk, and your wife can laugh at you for the rest of the night. Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't know, but with one of your little comments you put about how, uh, like, you need to quit drinking seriously. I'm like, does he have a problem? Like, should he not be? Yeah, Rob said that I should stop drinking uh, less seriously, and I said, mayhaps, but where's the fun in that? <laughs> that is also true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember now, we have a shout-out this week. I'm so excited. Our new domestic <laughs> as fuck Patreon. Patreon. Dion. Dion. <laughs> Yeah. I knew it. I was like, just waiting for you to do it. I was trying not to. Oh. Oh. Dion, this party is a lot of fun. Welcome to it. Yeah. Welcome to the pod family. We're so excited. Craziness. We are just as dysfunctional as all your other families. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. You've been listening to us for like hours. <laughs> I know, like, uh, you've earned this. <laughs> I mean, this restart is now at what one hour and fifty nine minutes yeah, and thirteen well, seconds. It's it's been a hot minute since it's four. <laughs> Nine thirty. Five and a half hours. It's been a yeah. It's 
So yeah, thank you so much. We're so excited to get to know you. Yes. I mean, I've seen you commenting on our speakeasy and our Facebook for a long time. So I'm just really excited to see you. Pop wait until you get to do this part too. It's so fun. Yes. <laughs> and we'll have you on here soon. We have a little random generator. <laughs> Mix an AM and then I ambush you. <laughs> Basically. Come to the mini cab. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, we're so excited. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining thank our you. family. And huh, you want to join our little family too? It's weird, but it's fun. Patreon.com slash historical uh, I mean, I cut out like hours of what goes up. So if you want to know what happens in between. <laughs> or seeing Frankie drunk. Yeah. The tangents and the craziness is so much fun. It's <laughs> worth it, 100%. Uh, sometimes uh, I wonder, but you guys seem to like it. So it's just derails every time. I also assume we'll get to enjoy our facial expressions during all of this. Like I hope so. And the miming of it. <laughs> I gotta say. So we, we mime a lot. <laughs> it's I know. Tank. I talk with my hands a lot. It's the sign language. It yeah. just happens. It's true. You get, to see, you get to see a lot of stuff. Lots of stuff. It's the behind the scenes that makes it worth it. It oh, is, you know. I, uh, <laughs> I try to make it like, coherent, but I think the non-coherent stuff's the fun stuff. Yep. Yeah. Good time. <laughs> All right, we're cutting y'all off. Yeah, you're so, done. We have uh, join Patreon, drink safely, and pace your goddamn selves. <laughs> social media and and please share. So tell your friends, tell everybody, listen to us, please, please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>